All right, well, I want to wrap up this um, series today, and um, next week is Palm Sunday, so we're going to actually kind of tackle two um, of the final foolish strategies that, that God gives us in the Bible. There's five foolish strategies that we find in the Bible, and we've looked so far at three of them, and these are really a word study of Old Testament um, words that describe foolish living, foolish approaches to doing life. And we actually um, probably all identify with one, if not two, of these. And, and in some ways, you start seeing yourself in all these different characters um, that we're describing. And so kind of doing a character word study. And so um, I want to begin us thinking about this this morning with these two characters on the far right. Um, there's this lady, she's in the spotlight, she's out up front, she's really taking it all in, she's taking a selfie of herself, and really excited about the way she looks, and, and there's this kind of creepy character off to the far right, who's kind of like got his fist up, and he's he's in the shadows, and so we're going to talk about these two characters, the spotlight and the shadows. Now, this approach to living, these final two, are far more um, dangerous when you choose these ways of doing life. This really um, creates some... Um, enemies, opposition. Just think about when was the last time you really ticked someone off? Like you really ticked someone off. Like you went a little too far. Sometimes we go, you know, we we bother people, we frustrate people. Um, think about the time where you pushed a person to the limit, to where they actually were opposed to you, and they finally had enough to where you you got put in your place. Um, and you don't have to take a course to learn how to provoke others, you know, read books on this. This stuff just kind of grows up in our hearts. There's some things in our hearts that we've been looking at. There's actually three heart problems that are embedded. There's the heart problem of selfishness, arrogance, and the damaging side of, of our hearts. And we default to those. And out of those heart problems really grows five foolish strategies. And that's the five strategies, these five fools. And so far, we've looked at these three. We've looked at this character. He's ease is the, the title. Ease. He takes the easy way of, in life. He uses passivity, laziness. He lies to cover up um, his slack approach to life. That may be something that you feel like, okay, you struggle with that. Looking for a magic key that just kind of unlocks the easy way to life. That's, and in the Bible, this character um, creates all sorts of frustration for themselves create frustration for others. The second foolish strategy we looked at, just to kind of review, is this reactive way, where there's a, there's a reactive side to us, where we're upset, and we use manipulation, we use control tactics in order to get people to give us what we want in life. You might get angry, you might be passive-aggressive, you might use tears, and you turn on the tears at the time in order to get what's wanted. This is the reactive way. Now, this is, the Hebrew word for this is ezeal. You can go back a few weeks on our website, and you can find the message on this, but describing this um, foolish way of living. The third strategy is the fun way. The Hebrew word is the sackle. And the sackle is kind of like a um, a reckless person, someone who is just reckless and blindly following their desires, his or her desires. You want pleasure. You feel like you want pleasure, so you chase after it blindly. You don't think about the consequences. You just You just indulge. This is this is a um, destructive lifestyle. It sets up for a, a cycle of living that is really harmful. Now, in all five of these different strategies that we find in the Bible, 
What we're doing this for is we're trying to help us identify the foolish life strategies so that we can reject folly. Because as we find these things in ourselves, it's important to know, okay, this is where I'm at. In the mirror, I struggle with this and this. But then how do I reject it and start walking with God? Um, Each of these strategies, they impact you, they impact me, they impact the people around us, they frustrate us. And so, again, if you think about the person that you've experienced the most opposition from in life, I don't know who that is, but think about who is it that I've experienced tremendous opposition from. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a childhood bully, a childhood friend. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a neighbor. People get into neighbor wars all the time. Um, not I should say all the time, but it does happen. You know. Um, it could have been a relative. But you experience tremendous opposition. Now, there's someone that you don't want to tick off. The person you don't want to really have opposing you is God himself. And as we look at these final two, if we move towards these foolish strategies, we end up finding ourselves in opposition to God. God actually comes against us in order to um, put us back in our place. And sometimes it's not pretty. This sets up, these two life strategies sets us up for a feud with him. And so I want to dig in. The first strategy uh, for this morning, which is the fourth one we've looked at, is the important now strategy. The, the Hebrew word is the word halal, but it really means to desire praise and glory for oneself. So halal, it's a verb, it's praise, to, it's to praise, but the halal strategy is to praise yourself. The desire to be the star, it's that lady who's in the spotlight. Could be a man, could be a lady. It, 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 whenever we choose arrogance and we push ourselves forward, um, we're moving in this strategy. It's a self-promoting, it's a boastful strategy, and it's even potentially a very scheming way of doing life. Now, each of these full strategies has a tool that they use. The key tool for the halal is pushiness. And you know, th- this means it's not a subtle arrogance, but it's that we actually, we believe, it's a strategy where we believe we deserve more than we're really due. So we're not getting the attention, so I'm going to push my way to get the attention. It's, I'm not getting the role I want, so we push ourselves ahead of others. We push others out of the way, and we take the spotlight. That's what the halal strategy is all about. It's, I want to be important right now. And here's a place where it shows up in the Bible. This is from the Old Testament, Psalm 75, verses 4 and 5. It says, I say to the boastful, the word boastful there is the word halal in Hebrew. I say to the boastful, do not boast. Again, do not halal. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horn. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with haughty neck. Now, if you struggle with pride or arrogance, the picture he's describing, the psalmist is describing, is a person who's just lifting their neck up. This this picture really is the lifting up of horns is a metaphor from the animal world that really signifies a defiant self-confidence. It's like when you turn on the Discovery Channel and you see two big animals that are like about to attack each other and they're they're trying to appear larger. And so they get up in, in this position of dominance. That's really the picture we're given here in Scripture is this boastful approach is like you're lifting up your horns. You're really defying others, and you're very confident in yourself. Um, an interesting example of this is, is the peacock. The peacock is a beautiful bird. I think we'd all agree that it's a pretty bird. And 
my parents, they live on a, uh, the edge of the city of Monrovia and, and El Monte. And in their, in their neighborhood, on the streets to get to their house, are these wild peacocks. And um, sometimes when you're driving to, to their house, you'll see peacocks up on cars. You'll see peacocks in roofs, in the trees. Um, I've even seen it to where the peacock will just be in the street. And you'll come up to this peacock, and it ain't getting out of the way. <laughs> You've either got to mow the peacock down, or you need to go around it. Because what does it do? It just kind of pokes its head at you, and it what does it do? It displays its feathers. It brings its feathers up, shows you all its glory, and then it just kind of struts slowly for you to enjoy the view. And, and well, what do you have to do? They push you out of the way. you got to go around them. That's the issue with the halal. This strategy is, is I push others out of the way in order for others to see my glory, see how important I really am. When it comes to their approach to life, here's some of the things that you find in the Bible as they talk incessantly about themselves. They take shortcuts to leadership and power. They push to get on top using lying, threats, violence. Overall, they're glory grabbers. They want to be in the spotlight. Now, in a group is where the problems really come. If it was just them doing that, then they could just have their, their spotlight moment. But the problem is when, when the halal strategy, when the important now way meets a group, like a church, like a, a club, like a team, like a, a, a workforce, in a group, here's what happens. They undermine the leaders over them. You see some of the characters in the Old Testament that were halals. And they would push their way in front and they'd try to get leadership before it was given to them. And so they would undermine the official leaders. They'd undermine the kings, like David. He would be undermined by the whole all. Um, they're doing this because they're trying to establish themselves as the leader. They're pushing themselves ahead. Well, they create a posse to do this. A lot of the Old Testament kind of rebellious characters were, that were of this foolish strategy would, would form a group of people who, who saw them as the leader and who followed them. They would form a little posse in order to do this last thing. They would drive division in the group. There were people that tried to overthrow the king, led by the halal. And what they don't often realize is that they're bringing tremendous problems because as they find themselves really undermining leaders, what they're really doing is they're actually opposing the God who put the official leader in place. They're actually like, okay, God, I'm not going to submit to that guy, so I need to be the person, and so I'm going to establish myself as a leader. I'm going to gather a following. Well, the God who installed the official leader is now all of a sudden pretty ticked off. <laughs> Look at Psalm 30, or 73, verses 6 through, through 11. This kind of describes, you actually see the outward displays of their arrogant behavior here. It says, therefore, pride is, pride is their necklace, meaning it's not just an inside arrogant problem. It's not just a heart problem. It's actually it's showing up on the outside. It's, this is worn on the outside. They're not hiding this. Violence covers them as a garment. They're pushing their way. That's the normal thing. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their, their hearts overflow with follies. picture here is they're so full of themselves that their arrogance is spilling out. They're swelling. They scoff at others. They speak with malice got malicious words towards others. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They're, they're bullying through their words. Verse 9 says, they set their mouths against the heavens. Now this is 
their exaltation, their self-exaltation is, is to the point to where they actually lift themselves up like a god. They set their mouths against the heaven and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people, meaning the Halal's people, their posse, their people turn back to them and find no fault in them. They actually gain a following, and they're pretty convincing individuals. So they're persuasive, but they're very divisive. Look what it says in verse 11. And they say this, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? So they start questioning God. They start questioning God's power, God's knowledge. They prop themselves up because what they're doing is they're challenging even God himself. They do this because they actually don't believe that God is really involved in the real world. A full-blown halal in the Bible is someone who, who believes God doesn't really interact in the real world. And what this is, is it's, it's sheer madness to exalt ourselves because God opposes the proud. Look at what First Peter 5, 5 says. Whenever we choose pride, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we choose to push ourselves forward in this way, if we choose to be self-exalters, glory grabbers, what, what Peter's saying is God opposes the proud. We're actually, we're picking a fight with the wrong guy. <laughs> I've, seen a mo- I've seen movies to where people pick a fight and they don't realize they've just picked a fight with the wrong guy who's a foot taller than you. Well, imagine I shared this first service. One of the ways I've heard this described is like when we get into arrogance and pride and we push ourselves ahead of people, it's like we're in a football game and we're on the line. The ball's about to be snapped and maybe we're the, maybe we're the, you know, we're on one side of the line and we crouch down and we're ready to, for, for action to begin for someone to snap the ball. And we look across the line at the other lineman and it's God. We've just lined ourselves up against God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's madness. The, the word haolela, which is kind of, um, it's describing the heart problem of arrogance, the Hebrew word. It, it, haolela means self-praise. Self-praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is where we get the word praise the Lord. He's singing hallelujah. Haolela is self-praise. Well, that word haolela is oftentimes in our Bibles, um, translated madness because it's sheer madness to oppose God. It's sheer madness to push ourselves ahead because it's ridiculous for us to think we're going to win that battle. We're going to lose that battle every time. Because God will humble us if we choose this strategy in life. It's just a matter of time. He actually makes that promise here in this verse. God opposes the proud but gives grace. The longer we let this go, the more damage it will be done, the, the larger the splatter circle when we do get taken down. Anytime we set ourselves up, God wins every time. He may delay, but he will win this battle. So here, here's how to change. The key to changing this desire to be important now is, is this. It's choose humility and serve others. See, humility or the word humble is interesting. You can either be humbled or you can choose to humble yourself. God either knocks us down or we just decide, I'm going to take a quick step down here. Before I get knocked down. Philippians 2 verse 3 and 4. Paul writes this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, vain, or conceit. But in humility. The, the choice to humble ourselves. Again it's, it's me choosing voluntarily to take a step down. In humility. Count others more significant 
than yourselves, meaning rise others above or lift others above yourself. That's the literal meaning here. Lift others up above yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In our hearts, we want to be important now. But God actually wants us to do something like this. He wants us to hoist other people up in, in, in different ways of our life, through the seasons of our life, just start lifting others up, hoisting others up above. How, what would that look like for our lives? It, it looks like when we help others get exalted, when we celebrate the success of others, when we actually cheer people on to get promoted. Now, that sounds... That sounds, it's hard to do that because that means we haven't, we got missed for another promotion. But it, it's really doing the work behind the scenes that is needed. It's serving. It's humbly serving, waiting on God to exalt. Because in time, if you'll humble yourself, God says, you know, God gives grace to the humble. He, another verse in Matthew talks about um, God, you know, he, he can exalt once we choose humility. But it never goes the other way for him. The best option for us, though, is to, is to wrestle down this pride issue. It's going to be in our hearts. We find out in Ecclesiastes that arrogance is in our hearts until we die. So we have to figure out, how do I, how do I deal with this the thought that comes quite naturally, which is I do kind of deserve it, though. So we have to wrestle that down. The final foolish strategy, if you flick this over to the back, is this. It's the cruel way. Now, this is the most dangerous of all of the foolish strategies, the foolish life strategies we've looked at, the cruel way. It's a merciless person who plots harm. Now, this strategy has a ruthless edge to it. Uh, the Hebrew word is nabal. Nabal. And there, there's actually a character who King David meets. And you can write down 1 Samuel 25 if you want to do like a study on this character. 1 Samuel 25, King David meets a man named Nabal who embodies this whole vengeful approach to life, the cruel approach. And um, But here's a picture of kind of the predatory um, approach. Isaiah 32, 6 is the predatory. Um, take a look at this verse. For the fool speaks folly. That's the Nabal. For the Nabal, this cruel way, the fool speaks folly and, it, and his heart is busy with iniquity. So in his heart, he's busy plotting. Because the word iniquity there, this word means intentional harm. Sometimes I hurt someone, and, and I got caught up in some situation. I got caught up in making someone the butt of the joke, or, or I, I played a little too hard and I fouled someone. or You know, we get into those things where we, hey, sorry, man, I, I, I got way too competitive in the moment. I'm sorry that I did that. This is, this is on the way. Man, I'm going to hurt someone today. Matter of fact, I'm going to hurt this person today. Because he deserves it. And I want to see him go down. So this, this, this is a different kind of bringing harm. This is an intentional plotting. It says, For the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity, to practice ungodliness, meaning they profane, they defile even the things of God, to utter error concerning the Lord. They're speaking lies about God, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. When needs come up in other people's lives... This is a total disregard for the needs of others. It's a very cruel way to do life. And so full-blown, this kind of living, this person is the most depraved of all other all of the fools that we've looked at. They're opposed to God. They're atheistic in their views, which means that he or she believes that they're really, that no God 
exists. They believe there is no God. And so because of that, then there's no retribution for living the way that they live. There's, there's no payback. There's no, there's no consequence. And so this gives them a license to do whatever they want to do. They have no moral boundaries. And because of all this, this type of living, full-blown, is a danger to the society. These, this is full-blown is what we read about in the papers. This is harm. Now, the key tool is pretense. They're two-faced. They're harsh. By choice, they prefer win, win-lose. Some of us, it's like, hey, win-win. You know, everybody wins here. No, the Nabal prefers win-lose. great example of this is, is a shark, a predator who comes from the depths to destroy its victims. Now, I've seen movies where sharks are circling their prey. You've seen this before. That's this idea is they're waiting for the opportune time to strike their prey. And so as a society, we pay attention to this stuff. We know this is why we have people I hear something. I don't know if that's you or me or my God, just keep going. But I hear like a beeping in my head. But <clears throat> society, you know, we hire policemen. We have laws. We do things. We keep this predator behind bars. In the church, you know, we, we do. We take, we pay attention to this whole area. We pay attention to the fact that we need to protect the body of Christ. We want church to be a, a place where people can come and worship God freely and not be preyed upon in any way whether that's a financial predator or any other kind of predator. And so we just try to protect, to the best of our abilities, the congregation as we've been here. And and whenever, you know, we've added little elements, because this is important, because we, we know that this type of living exists in full-blown. We read about it. Now, you might be thinking, you know, yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm definitely not this cruel person. But... Whenever we start noticing, here's where I think it, it touches all of us, is when we start noticing a cruel, harmful desire on the inside, we need to quickly move in another direction. Because what is in our heart is, is the ability to do harm. It's, it's in all of our hearts to actually pay people back. When someone hurts us, there's this, you had to wrestle down the, the payback default. A lot of times the payback is, is not physical, sometimes it's verbal, but the need to get revenge or the, or the desire to see people pay for the harm that they brought, that's in it. We have to wrestle that down. We don't want to take that into our hands and begin to play that role of payback person. So we're warned in Scripture. Look at Romans 12, verse 17 through 19. It says, repay no one evil. So if someone dishes something out to you really harmful, that, that's going to tempt your cruel uh, that's going to tempt a cruel response from you. And so what Paul writes to the church is, repay no one evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then a real familiar verse, beloved, never avenge yourselves. You know, you don't need to be saying, look, someone else has your back, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When we start trying to play God, God's role in, in dishing out harm to others who've been harmful, 
We're moving in a real dangerous direction here. So if you notice this in any way in yourself, here's the bottom line of how to change. It's become a compassionate giver in your life. Just become a person who's compassionate and generous. Because the Nabal tends to be stingy and selfish, so to move against that, you have to learn to be generous. You have to learn to be generous with your time. You have to be learn to be generous with your resources. Compassion means that I'm trying to empathize with the hurts that other people are experiencing. So when someone is going through something, it's me giving myself of my time, my resources in practical ways in order to share in that person's pain. That's you know, that that goes against this default foolish strategy. Romans 12.15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Rather than tearing people down and using people for what we want out of life, Paul says, man, we, we should be building people up. We should be sacrificing to help others with their goals, with their needs. This is the way of doing life. Now, we've looked at all five of these strategies, because that's, that's the last one. We've looked at all five of these foolish strategies, and each of these people are committed in their own ways to using certain tools in order to get what they want. Really, not just they, but this is what we want. We all identify with, in some way, with some of these different foolish ways. Now, the flip side to folly is wisdom. The flip side to foolish living is wisdom. And the real question for us is, how do I get wisdom? Can I even get wisdom? You know, all, all I've been talking about is, in our hearts are these embedded heart problems. That's just natural stuff. Folly comes naturally. Wisdom doesn't come naturally to us. At some places in the Bible, the pursuit of wisdom is described like you're hunting for a costly treasure. You're looking for this treasure of wisdom, and you should pay a price to get wisdom. And I love the treasure hunting movies where the, hunt, the treasure hunter finds the entrance to this tunnel or this cave that's going to lead to the treasure because they... I finally found this thing I've been looking for all my life. I finally found it. But a life of wisdom is, is different. The entrance to a life of wisdom is not a mystery. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord, we've shared this almost every week, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to begin the life of wisdom? It's, you begin by fearing the Lord. Whenever you decide to fear God, you are at the starting point. You're at the entrance to a life of wisdom. What that means to fear the Lord, it means that I take God so seriously because I realize He's watching my life. He's watching over all of the world, all of our lives. I can't sneak anything past Him. But the bad news is that we don't have the track record to really pull this off. We don't have the track record to really fear God all the time. I can't take God seriously all the time because I do good for a while, but then I mess up. I do good for a while, I mess up. I try again, I mess up. And I go through this life of trying on my own self-effort to get it right. But the good news is that God, this is the good news of the gospel, is that God has made a way for us to experience His new way of living apart from any of my own self-effort. And it really is this. It's all the treasures of wisdom are found in Jesus. The reason we celebrate on Easter is, is this. This this is the breakthrough point for a life of wisdom. Now Paul, a church planner, he is overjoyed when he sees people coming to know Jesus Christ. He's one of the guys that authored 
many of the books of the New Testament. God used him to author many of the books. And we read in his letters to the churches in the New Testament these statements where he's just rejoicing at people embracing Christianity and embracing a life with Christ. Look what he writes to the church. Colossians 2.2 2 says, I want their hearts. He's talking about these people who he's never met before. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus Christ is the one who unlocks the mystery of how does a sinful, broken humanity have a relationship with a, with a holy, righteous God. Jesus Christ is how we do that. He unlocks that mystery of how, how, do, I, how do I stop riding this roller coaster and actually break through the life of wisdom? To fear God, the New Testament says, fearing God equates to yielding your life to Jesus Christ as Lord. Asking Him to be the Lord of your life, the Savior of your sins, and to be Lord. Because through His death, He died in our place to pay for our sin and for our rebellion. He was buried and He was resurrected. And from that point of receiving Him, a person can now break through into a life of wisdom. This is why we celebrate each Sunday. Because we're expressing and we're really celebrating our gratitude to a loving God who would offer up His Son so that a broken people could have a relationship with a righteous, holy God. And without Christ, we are utterly helpless to really put life together. All we end up doing is start trying to change and modify our behavior. Without Christ on the inside, we don't have the power of God to really bring change. I want to encourage you as the worship team comes up to the stage to, to kind of bring the service to a close. To begin to think about what is preventing me from um, either moving away from these foolish life strategies if I've already embraced a relationship with Jesus Christ. What is what is hanging me up? What are some of the main things that God has challenged me on? I want you to kind of call to mind some of the areas of that God has spoken to you about this morning or in this series. Or the big question of what's preventing me from giving my life to follow Jesus Christ. If you If you feel like you're somewhat at a threshold and you're like, not sure I'm really ready to do that yet because it's going to cost me this or that or there's just going to be some difficult things in my life. I want, I want to encourage you to think through what is it that's preventing you from moving forward in relationship with him. Cody's going to begin a, a song and we're going to actually just spend some time in prayer as he leads us again through that song, I Surrender All. And so if you just bow your head. And just be praying as, as, as he plays, and we'll join him, him in a few minutes. And just be considering, God, what is it you're trying to do in my life right now? What are the changes you're asking me to make? Or what is preventing me from really yielding my life to Jesus Christ? Just spend some time responding to God as, as you pray.